Good morning. I'm going to ask you to bow with me for a word of prayer. Quiet your hearts before God and sit in his presence for a moment. God Almighty, we tell you today that we love you. And more than that, we come to, to, to you to tell you that we need you and that we are at your mercy. Lord, I thank you that you have called each person here. And I thank you, Lord, that you are in the process of opening our hearts to what you will share with us today. Because, Lord, this is what we're here for, for your word, for your love poured out. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, today we renounce the works of the world, the flesh, and the devil. We bind those powers and command them to where you send them. And we say yes to all the power of heaven. Come to us in Jesus, our Lord, through his spirit. Now, Lord, as we continue forward, may your spirit lead us and guide us. And even as we pray this, Lord, we say thank you. Amen. I want to open uh, with a passage. Um, and this passage is John chapter 10, verse 10. And it's Jesus speaking, and he says this, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it abundantly, more abundantly. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says three things remain when everything else has passed away. Faith, hope, and love. And it says the thief comes to steal, to steal our faith so that we cannot hope. Instead, we fall into despair. And where there is despair, there is no sense of love. And so Satan comes to steal those very things which the Lord has said will remain. But that's the amazing thing is God says that he will cause them to remain. And so the thief's power is not greater than the power of the one who will cause us to stand. It is God who is calling us forward into the place and into the walk and into the life that he has chosen for us. And increasingly, the thing that we have is, is a spirit-empowered response. It is the call to say yes to his call. And that's what I want to lay a little bit before you today. I have been out uh, myself, my family. We've been on a bit of a journey as we step out into uh, new ministry opportunities in the last 10 months. And the Lord has been uh, telling me uh, a couple of things. One of the things he's been saying is, trust me. The other thing he's been telling me comes out of Matthew chapter 6, and it says, Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Trust me. And all these things will be added to you. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough worries of its own. And, and brought into a short statement what God has said to me over and over again. Trust me. Stay in today. Trust me. He knows that I'm one of those people who wants to be in tomorrow. I got my horizons planned. I want to charge off adventure somewhere, right? My kids already told me, you can't move. Me, I want to go find new, new territory. 
And the Lord says, stay in today and trust me. And I think that's a word that he brings to his church. Seek me, trust me, stay in today. The other thing I've become very aware of as the Lord uh, calls me to stay in today, I've been, become very aware of the heart of God and the purpose of God and the desire of God. And that desire and that purpose is to transform lives. God is not interested in, in, in calling us to straighten up. And those who have heard me preach before, you know, this is a bit of a broken record message for me. I, over and over. God is not interested in how you perform and he's not interested in asking you to straighten up. He's not interested in asking you to get your act together. I watch God over and over again come to people who are done trying to get their act together, who have come to the end of their abilities to try to straighten up. And in that place, God calls them. In that place, God finds them. In that place of brokenness where they're finally ready to say, God, I'm at your mercy. That is where I see the greatest working of God. Jesus does not call us to go live for him. Jesus says, give your life to me and let me live through you. There's a difference. His heart is to find broken lives and to transform them. I have a friend here today. Uh, some of you have seen him around here and I'm going to ask him because really, well, I'm just going to ask Dale if you'd come up here. Dale is a friend of mine, and he's one of those broken lives that God found. And I asked Dale if he would come and uh, work with me a little bit here this morning and to share a little bit of his story. Dale, this thing just right up within the... There you go. Can everybody hear me? Now, Dale... I just was going to ask Dale a few questions and uh, give him an opportunity to share just a little bit of how God has been touching his life. Um, Dale, you know, briefly. Um, Dale came into this church here a number of years ago, uh, probably two years ago now or so. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> I sort of wondered Dale was quiet. He didn't talk to a lot of people, and I wondered at one point in time uh, what was drawing him here. So I asked him one day, Dale, why do you keep coming back? Feels like home, he said. A movement of the Holy Spirit. God was calling Dale. Now, Dale, Dale uh, struggled with uh, something in his life. Dale, what, what was the struggle you had in your life? Um, I was addicted to street, uh, street drugs. Specifically, what drug? Uh, my drug of choice was crack cocaine. I, I smoked it. Mm -hmm. What did that do to you? Um, at first, it made me feel good. Um, I guess I was depressed, didn't know where to turn. And in the end, it was, it was killing me. Mm -hmm. Where'd you find yourself at? Pardon me? Where did you find yourself at at the very end? Depressed. Uh, people that said they were my friends weren't my friends. Yeah. Uh, my parents started bringing me here, and slowly I started coming on my own. Mm -hmm. And I started taking courses here, and uh, 
just let you know, I also do a 12-step program through NA here in Saskatoon. Mm -hmm. um, that helped me, but also coming to church, getting to know the Lord, and have, having Jesus work through me has made me a lot happier. Uh, I've mentioned the Boyd a few times. It's a weird feeling. I feel like I'm high on life. I'm just so happy. I, I can't really explain it. Mm -hmm. Dale's one of those guys that the Spirit of Christ found absolutely broken. Um, and the first time I saw Dale, I knew that the day would come when when we would when we would pray together and we would invite Christ into his bondage. I didn't know how that would work. But God knew. And God softened and drew and Dale was at one of my courses here a little while ago, a forgiveness course. And I didn't realize what all God was doing in that course, but God was doing a touching work, and he came out of that course ready to take the next step. To forgive himself, to trust that Christ would actually forgive him and that it wasn't, was more than just a concept, but a reality. And we sat together, Dale, and we invited Jesus into the darkest places, didn't we? Yes, we did. <clears throat> and what did he do there? He took all the things that were hurting me, um, all the old crutches I was holding on to, and took them away. And when he did that, the weight was lifted off my shoulders, and a lot of the pain, or I shouldn't say a lot of the pain, all the pain was gone. I would walk into some of the classes, my back would be bothering me. I'd walk out, you know, like that uh, commercial on TV where the guy goes, I could do handsprings, but I won't. That's how I felt. I want to say, I want to say, you know, as, as Dale says all this stuff, you know, I've heard testimonies where, you know, I give my life to Jesus and it's all peachy keen. You've got to hear that what Dale's describing was not an easy process. It was a process where he went through dying, like he was almost dead where he was brought to the point of having to surrender and having to quit striving to, man to manage and cope with his own life. And so when he talks about this weight coming off, at the time that weight came off of him, that weight was as heavy as it has ever been in his life. So how do you put it? This kind of freedom comes to the desperate. And the desperate person is the person that has had everything that they have ever held on to in life ripped out from underneath them. And this is the understanding that God is leading me to, is that even as I say that I will surrender to you, Lord, I find myself hanging on to the things that I can use to control my life. And God in his mercy comes and he pulls those things out from underneath me, but he never allows me to be destroyed. He takes me to the place of helplessness. He takes Dale to the place of helplessness. And God comes in and he says, in this place, 
I will be your strength. Because you have no other strength. Dale and I sat together, and you know, I was always taught as a kid, you know, that you did your best for Jesus. You went to church, you dressed up in your best, and you gave your best to Jesus. You never come in in a pair of jeans or something like that, because it wasn't your best. And I realized that I've been taught that deep into many areas of my life. And one of the things God's doing with me, and he's using Dale to help do it, he's using me and Dale's life, and I mean, it goes back and forth, right? He's uprooting that lie that I have to bring my best to Jesus because Jesus didn't ask for my best. He said, I didn't come for the people who were healthy. I came for the sick and the broken. So where are you sick and where are you broken? And the desperate person is finally gets to a point where they're, they, they, they just can't cover that up anymore. It's all on the table in front of God. And what they find in that place is what Jesus so eloquently called the good news. No condemnation. Could you be condemned? Absolutely. But he says in John 3.17, I did not come to condemn. I came to save. And so Christ wades into the depth of our sin and he wades into the depth of our destruction. And he picks us up and he takes us home. And that's what Jesus meant when he said, I came that they might have life and that more abundantly. The dramaticness of it is in the freedom. Dale, I phoned him up, or he phoned me up the other day. We'd been praying, and we had, he had left um, the prayer time, and he was a half an hour off down the road. He phones me on my cell phone, and he says, I just had to phone you. I just, I just, I feel like I want to do handsprings. I think it was roughly what you said. I just want to do cartwheels. I just feel like so, so happy. Well, there have been some testings along the way, some significant testings. Yep. You know, Dale's down in his basement the other day, and he pulls back the couch, and he finds a little bit of drug paraphernalia, and all the old feelings come rushing back. He phones me up. He says, what do we do? He says, this and the feeling in my gut. And I said, we got to get together to pray. So we sat together and we said, Jesus, we don't care what kind of memories come back. It's under your blood. It's broken. We stand in that and the Lord removed it. Because Satan will try to bring back the old things. He will try to bring back the, accusing, the accusations and the guilt. He will try to get you to take that stuff back. And what Christ calls us to is he calls us to stand in what he has done. And the standing is this. I'm clean. And you are. I am, thanks to you. In Christ, yeah. We get to bless each other. And the th cool thing is that we get to do, we get to walk into each other's lives and we get to insist on this reality that there is, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And the good news, the invitation goes to everybody. Do you want to be in Christ? This is what you get to look forward to. No condemnation. No guilt. Freedom. And an ongoing Savior who never leaves you alone. He's not like a gas pump you visit to fuel up on. He's like an onboard reactor that powers you wherever you go. Dale, I want to thank you for coming up.
Bless you. Amazing to see the hand of God at work. This is... Oh, man. This is the hunger of my life, and I know it's the hunger of so many of your lives. I don't want just concepts anymore. I want living reality. Christ came that it would not be conceptual, but that it would be living reality. Touch me, feel me, hug me. He says, I go to the Father and now I send the Holy Spirit. Don't leave the city until the Spirit comes upon you. And then you will be my witnesses. And so the intimacy of God comes in to a life. And he uproots the inability to have intimacy. The creative power of Christ comes into a, a, a life and he uproots the destructiveness of the evil one. The presence of God comes into a life and he destroys the reality of loneliness. And he doesn't just do it himself. He brings brothers and sisters in Christ. God called Dale. God called Dale into his presence, into a new life. I watched the lights come on with Dale as God began to reveal who Jesus was. John 6, and I wanted to share with you some basics. No one comes to me, says Jesus, but that the Father draws them. So guess what? The reality is, is God wants to draw your loved ones more than you want to see them drawn. And you can say, Lord, I put my loved one at your mercy into your hands. And you can look forward to the day that God turns the lights on. Because he loves them more than you do. Let me how explain. I want to explain a little bit of how God works. So many of us, we live in the church, and we don't experience God. And we struggle, and we, we spend all our time looking for answers. And a person who's desperate for answers and who's not finding them is a person who's going in circles, being not, not being useful in the kingdom of God, not experiencing freedom. So I want to draw this out just for a moment for you. I want to read to you just a portion because you have to understand how, how, how you're made. Oh, let's see here. Okay. I got my big, brand new, massive Bible that Lauren gave me. First Thessalonians. When you look at the human creation, who God has made you to be, Paul gives us a nice, clean um, um, breakdown of who and what we are. And he says this in, in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. As, he, be, as he, uh, he says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. If you want a framework for your life, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Even for the challenges we give thanks. I was out at a um, men's retreat here a couple of weeks ago. There was a, I don't know, $200,000 worth of snow machines sitting around outside the, uh, the, uh, the lodge. And don't you know that that's an intimidating thing to sit there with a bunch of men who are dead, deadpan. They're all slightly rednecked. And uh, there's all these snow machines sitting outside the building yearning to be used, right? And I'm going, 
darn, how do I break through this crowd? I guess I won't. Lord, I'm in your hands. And God begins to break through. And that's what does. He says, give thanks. Okay, Lord, I thank you for this seemingly hopeless situation. And God began to break through. God will do what we allow him to do. Don't quench the spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Don't despise prophecies. I was at the Haggai banquet last night, and a guy sitting across the table from me looks at me, and he says, God showed me this. Bam! And he shares a word with me. And I started to weep because God told that to me in my devotions two days before. God speaks to you. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. So you need to know how to be in Christ to test what you hear. Abstain from every form of evil. And evil is, the reality is, is when you trust anything but Christ. That's evil. And then he says this. And now may the God of peace (coughs) sanctify you, make you completely holy. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of Christ. This is how God has created us. We are made in the image of God. We are Trinitarian beings. We are body. We are soul. And we are spirit. Your body, that's your biochemistry. It's your meat, your blood, and your bones. And all the stuff that floats around inside that. Your soul, that's your mind, your will, and your emotions. The Bible says that for someone who does not know Christ and is not yielded to the spirit, spirit, their mind is darkened. They can't think straight. It says that their emotions are in control of their flesh um, and their will is bound. They can't even make the right choices. God has to come and open open their choices even. But when we're yielded to the Holy Spirit, we gain the mind of Christ. We can make the choices that Christ himself created us to make when when the human race was first created and uh, are in our emotions manifest the emotions of Christ himself, the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. And we are spirit. And the scripture says that when we were born, this part of us was born dead. You know, it always said that when Adam and Eve died, uh, or when they, when they sinned, they, they were promised that they would die. And as a little kid, I remember thinking, God didn't follow through. They didn't die. He just booted them out of the garden. That's not true. They did die. They died on a spiritual level, and it turned them totally self-centered. And the connection, the relationship with God was lost. Now, when you begin to understand this, you begin to understand how God is calling and drawing us back. The world, are we going to take the way of the world, or are we going to take the way of Christ? When we have issues, this is the way things go. The world will come at your personal issues. Lots of people have issues. And we'll medicate the body, depression, whatever, psychotic behavior. We'll medicate the body, change the body chemistry to try to fix the things that exist in the soul. In the soul, we have unresolved issues. There's rape, there's abuse, there's abandonment, there's rejection, there's all this stuff that in order for us to survive, we walled off. I had a young man come into my office here a little while ago and he says, Things are starting to break loose on me. I can't keep it down. Stuff I've been storing away for years is starting to come up. What do I do? I said, well, the world will come at you from this angle. 
and they will medicate your body or they will try to deal with your body in order to fix the issues within your soul and your spirit well you're up to you're up to yourself to um, put whatever you want in here or you know pick pick whatever kind of religion you want whatever you want that's not how Christ works God has made you a trinitarian being and he made you to live in a spiritual relationship with him. That is the grounding of our whole lives. And so we come and Christ calls us and he says to us, he says, I want you to give me access to the core of who you are and I will bring you to life. And when we say yes to Jesus' call, he makes us alive spiritually. You can see the lights come on in a person's eyes. I sat with a young guy a couple of weeks ago, and I explained this to him, and I said, now, I want to explain to you who Jesus is. God, who loved you so much, knew that you couldn't come to him. So he sent his son. He said, I will become like them, and I will go to them, and I will draw them back to myself. And he came, and he lived, and he overcame sin in his own life so that he was innocent. There came a time and a day when he was taken to the cross, And it says on that cross, he had a purpose, and he went there deliberately, and it was to give his life for us. We just came through Easter. Well, they nailed him to the cross. They drove these spikes into his feet, and as he hung there, they they came along a little later on, and they decided to check whether he was dead. They punched a spear up through his side, and they found out, yep, he's dead. They took him down, and they buried him. And I'm looking at this guy, and I'm going, does this make sense to you? And he's... You can see the sort of sense of wonder in his eyes, and he's going, yeah, this does. And I said, okay. They buried him in the ground, but it says because he was innocent, because he had not sinned for himself, his innocent life paid for our sins, but death was not able to hold him. And so three days after he died, he rose from the dead. The Holy Spirit came upon him and rose him back up from the dead, and he burst out of that grave, and he began to show himself to his disciples. For a number of days, he declared himself to his disciples, and he said this. He said, I am now going to my Father, and he was lifted up in their sight into heaven, and from there, he pours out his Holy Spirit upon all of us, that he may not just be a historical figure to us, a dead image of a God that we worship from afar, but a living, breathing Savior who lives in here through his Spirit. Does this make sense to you? And this kid's sitting in my office, and his eyes are wide, and I'm watching the lights go on, and he's going, yes, this makes sense. I'm going, you know what? If that makes sense to you, that means God is banging on your door because nobody understands that. Paul says that is foolishness to those of the world who God has not touched yet. God is opening your heart. Well, that means God's got a call on you. Are you ready to surrender to the call? I think this is the way I got to do it. I got to go. He says, I think this is where I got to go. Okay. John 1.12, to those who believe in him, he believes, who receive him. He gives power to be a child of God. And that means that you're not out here struggling to fix this so you can fix this by the power of your own strength and the power of the world. It means that you are yielding the core of your life to Christ who is bigger than you who will blow out into these areas of your life, who will begin to knock on those doors of those compartments of your life, and he will say, I want in here, I want your pain, I want your abandonment, 
And what impacts you there as you surrender to him will impact your body. And that's what Dale experienced. I'm sitting with Dale and I'm watching this guy who's a crack addict. And I'm a, I, I grew up in a fairly middle of the road Lutheran home. My folks are sitting right here. You can ask them about it. I was not trained in how to deal with hard, hardcore crack addicts or whatever. I, I just know Jesus. And Jesus is saying, tell him to let me into his darkness. And I'm doing the same explanation to Dale. And I'm going, Dale, do you understand who this Jesus is? It makes sense to me. Dale, God's got a call in your life. Are you ready to say yes? I'm ready. And you will know when people are ready because stuff happens. And Christ entered Dale's life not out here. He entered here in the core and he brought Dale alive. And then Christ starts banging on those other doors. The Holy Spirit says, I want access to the rest of your life, Dale. And so we began a process of surrender and it's technical term biblically and theologically is called sanctification. It's where God penetrates your life and gradually draws your life to die to itself so that you can live to him. It's like the day you get married when you think you know what you're getting. And in fact, when I married my wife, I was. I was getting all there was, but I had no idea what I was getting. Almost 18 years later, I think, right? 18? Yeah. Roughly. Um... I know much more what I got, and I'm amazed. And I'll say she's amazed too, but anyway. <laughs> Christ comes in here, and he says, I want to break out here, and I want to, to touch here. And because we're Trinitarian, what touches us in the Spirit, by the power of the Spirit, will touch us in our soul, in our mind, will, in our emotions, and it will touch our bodies. And freedom will come as the surrender to Christ becomes more and more complete. And you don't have to strive to surrender to Christ, which is the amazing thing. I spent a lot of years striving to surrender to Christ, and all I ended up was depressed because I couldn't do it, and I'm looking how to do it, and I'm trying to figure out how to do it, and it's not working, and so I'm depressed, and I'm going, Lord, obviously I can't be used. And God says, you're trying too hard. You know, the biggest thing he taught me about devotions was when I was burned out as a pastor in my second ministry, and I went to sat, sit down with my devotional uh, time one day, and I looked at the chair, and I realized if I sit in that chair, I'm going to go to sleep, and I don't care. And I said to God, I said, if I sit in that chair, I'm going to sleep, and you ain't getting any Bible reading or any praying. And he gave me a picture in my mind. The picture was my youngest daughter, who at that point in time was, I called her form-fitting because she was sort of pudgy, and she, if you squeezed her hard enough, she form-fit, eh? <laughs> he gave me a picture of her in my arms. And her eyes were shut, and her lips had that sort of sag, like that. And she was drooling. And I, I mean, that was at a time in my life when she wouldn't stay in my arms, except, like, I was annoying. Dads get annoying at a certain point. And she was always on the run. Stay away, Dad. Stay away. I'm too busy. Get away. The only time I could, I could hold her was to sneak up on her when she was asleep and hold her. I got her. I got her. And then be amazed. And the Lord showed me. He says, you sit in that chair, my son, and you will be in my arms, and I will have joy over you. Oh, man. It was amazing. 
And this is the God who calls us. And this is the God who draws us. And this is the God who says, I want access to your heart so that I can pour myself through your life. And you don't have to get me in there. I will come after you. Say yes to me. That's the best prayer in the world. Yes, Jesus. Yes. I got a friend in Seattle. He's a plumber. He's a drummer. He's a working man. I asked him how he prays. He says, I don't know. I'm not really a good prayer. I just sit and I find a quiet place and I put my head back and I, I speak the name of Jesus over and over again. That's incredible. God reveals our sin. Now you have to understand as God goes in here now, you, be, you lose an option. Then the option you lose is to clean up your life before God sees it. So many times we find ourselves standing, going, Lord, let me clean up that place in my life before I let you in there. And Jesus says, all you can do is move the junk around. You let me in there. I'm the Redeemer. And a person who's really ready for the power of Christ is a person who's ready to quit being a hypocrite. We think about hypocrites as Christians who say one thing and live another. We're all hypocrites because we all want to do our own thing and we all want to clean up our own self and we all want to have that nice veneer. And Christ shatters the veneer and he says, you have to let me into your darkness. Where does the light become the most brilliant? It becomes the most brilliant when you walk into the darkest place and call out his name. I went on a tour of the quarry potash mine once as a kid 3,500 feet underground and the, the tour guide says okay everybody turn out your lights <laughs> click and your eyes don't adjust at that at that place it's just there's no light it's the darkest place I've ever been in my life and then he says okay everybody turn on your light click whoa I can see that is what it light is that's what Christ does with us I want you to let me into your darkness call out my name in that place I will not condemn you and really for us, the biggest challenge to us experiencing the freedom of Christ is the willingness to, un to believe that only he draws us to, the willingness to trust that he will not condemn us. I don't care what you've done. And he doesn't care what I've done. He loves me. And he came to save me and to save you, not to condemn us. And Satan has twisted that. Yes, he's come to save you, but you've got to clean yourself up. You've got to help him out. No, you don't. And if there's struggle in your life right now, it could be that God is breaking your will to try to help him so that you can really be at his mercy, so that you can really receive. Because only a, mer a person who really understands their, their lostness can receive. Romans 3, or, uh, 5.20 it says, God gave us the law, the Ten Commandments, to show us perfection so that the sense of our sin would increase all the more. We'd realize that we can't fix it. And he says, but where sin abounded, where your awareness of your sin increases all the more, grace does much more increase. Dale phones me up. And he says, Boyd, I found this drug paraphernalia in my basement. And all the all stuff came back. We got to pray. What's the strategy? Dear Jesus, the devil's lying to Dale. He looked all that. He brought all his memories back. He piled up a bunch of condemnation. Lord, we're not taking that back. We're standing in you. You cleansed him. He's under your blood. 
Dale, how are you doing after the prayer? Good. It's gone. The surrender to Christ, to the Spirit of God. Where sin does abound, grace does abound all that much more. And so you can walk into lives of people and you can say, I see what you're saying. And whoa, yeah, you know what? You, you're a creative sinner. Your sin is huge. But that don't matter. Because your sin is not as big as the blood of Christ. God has forgiven you. Are you ready to say yes to it? Now, God is not generic. Philip, one of Jesus' followers, came and said, Show us God, Jesus. Show us God. Show us the Father. And Jesus said to Philip, John 14, He said, Philip, have you been with me this long and you don't know me? I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father broke heaven. Read Psalm 18. I called out to him and he tore heaven apart, clothed himself in dark clouds and started flinging lightning bolts and he came to this earth and he saved me. God broke heaven open and he came here in Christ to save you and me. And if you don't understand who the Father is, you look deep into the eyes of Jesus. Well, there's a cost to all this, you know. It sounds so amazing, and it is so amazing. But I have to tell you this. Uh, I have to, this is the passage that as I prayed about this, see, because you've got to understand, I'm like an ex-pastor here, right? And I haven't preached on this platform for like 10 months. And then, then I, they, they, Brian asked me if I'd come and preach. And then I'm thinking, oh, oh, like what do I say? And all that sort of stuff, right? So I'm going, okay, Lord, forget all what I want to say. What do you want me to say? And the Lord took, took me to Matthew chapter 10, and he said this. He who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. Luke uh, chapter uh, 9, what is it? 48, says it as well. And it just says, anyone who follows after me must lay down his life, pick up his cross, and follow me. I used to think that meant I had to live a life of self-punishment. Nope. It means you've got to give up your control. You can't control your life and neither can I. We are in the hands of God. And you know, when you can't control something that you really can't control, you ever tried to control something you can't control? I mean, you're sitting on top of a horse. I, they took me a horseback ride, and I don't really like horses. You know, for me, animals are things to be, well, I won't say that. Shot at, right? Anyway. <laughs> yeah. All you people who know me that I'm actually a nice guy help the others. But anyway. And no, th this horse, they took me for riding this horse, and this horse didn't like me, and I didn't like it. And it kept whipping its head around and trying to bite me in the leg. And um, I, I, I just about busted my hand, punching it in the back of the head. And that didn't work either. And at the end of the day, I finally, give me a new horse. You can't control something you can't control. And all you end up with is anger and despair and disillusionment and bitterness and all that stuff. And you know, if you look at your life and you say, Lord, show me where I'm at, and you have a life that's filled with anger, disillusionment, bitterness, and despair, it's because you, like I have done so much, you're living your life on your terms and by your own strength, simply put. And I don't know how to let go of that. 
And if you are in that place and you're ready to say yes to the Lord, Jesus comes to you and says, you have to let your life go. Well, Lord, I want to do this with my life. Yep, you've got to be put it in my hands. Lord, I want, to, I, want, I want to do it my life this way. Like how many people have prayed this prayer? Dear Lord, bless what I want to do for you the way I want to do it for you. I prayed that prayer so much. And Jesus said, but I want to do so much more with you, and I've got different plans for your life. Are you ready to let me take you? Yeah, but Lord, there might be disappointment because it won't go the way I thought it would. You're absolutely right, it won't go the way you thought it would because I think higher thoughts than you and my ways are bigger than your ways. I'm going to use you the way you, I want to use you. Are you ready to let that happen? And people hold on to women. Guys hold on to girlfriends. Nope, I won't let her go. Women hold on to guys. Nope, I won't let them go. Kids hold on to um, relationships and um, ways of doing things. Nope, I won't let it go. Actually, kids let go better than adults. Adults hold on to careers. Whatever you hold on to. Christ says, if you will place it in my hands, if you will lose my, uh, your identity in your life and take up your identity in me, you can follow me. I was asked this morning, what's God been saying to you lately? Simply put, it's Matthew 6. Seek first my kingdom of righteousness and stay in today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Stay in today. First eight months of being out of the ministry in this church, I ground my teeth every day. And I just about died inside. And I think I did. And two months ago, something happened. And I'm not grinding my teeth anymore. Stay in today. And trust me. Lay down your life. And you will follow me. What is God saying to you? My old man is out here. My dad, and he, I used to call him deathbed evangelist because he'd visit people in the hospital and they'd get saved and, you know, before they died. And um, so I asked him, I said, what, what do you, what do you uh, what's your secret? He says, I can't walk into a hospital room without reading some scripture and asking if I can pray. And do you know Jesus? Always that question. Do you know Jesus? You know, if you know him, that doesn't please him any more than if you don't know him. You get what I'm saying? Just because you're born again Christian doesn't mean he's more pleased with you than if you're, if you're an atheist. You know, when the angels sang over the, the, the shepherds in the field at Christmas, they said, peace to earth with and men with whom God is well pleased. God is pleased to save you. And there's more joy when, when one who doesn't know him comes than over 99 that are already with him. So again, I want to I ask you, this is not a performance thing. Is your life in his hands? Are you still grinding your teeth? Are you still fighting to do it in your own strength? Are you still trying to live for Jesus? Today could be the end of that for you. Are you ready to pray? Lord, I surrender all. I want to read you this hymn we're going to close with. And then I'm going to ask for a, uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond in whatever way God calls you to respond. Because God is touching 
Some of your hearts, I know that. 373 is in the hymnal. This song, this hymn can only be truly sung by someone whose heart the Holy Spirit is opening. And it says this, All to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. Do you freely give? Are you ready to freely give? Dale's talking to him. He says, Boyd, I move forward as God makes me ready. And he, just, he said, at this point, I took that course on forgiveness, and I suddenly knew I was ready to go the next step of the journey. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. Living in his daily presence is what allows the love and trust. All to Jesus I surrender, humbly at his feet I bow. What is humbleness? Humbleness is when you abandon your demand that you live on your own strength. Pride Satan comes into the garden and he tempted Adam and even to pride. You don't need God. You can become like God. You can do life in your own strength. And the call of Christ is always to abandon our own strength and go back to his strength. So to humble yourself doesn't mean to grab a whip and start flogging yourself. Someone comes to me and says, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad. I say, the Lord rebukes that. That's a lie. You are beloved. Humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus, take me now. Worldly pleasures, that means I'm finding my fulfillment in the things of this world. It is not sinful to enjoy a quad or a fishing boat or a... What do girls like? <laughs> a romantic dinner? Horses, a horse. They like Horses. Lots of, anyway, I'm not saying that either. There's nothing evil in that stuff. But as the center of your life, as the thing you retreat to, Lord, I renounce making those things the center of my life. I am, I am yours. I learned a while ago that, you know, you got to minister to the hunters too. I call it Redneck Ministries International. Going to set that one up soon. All to Jesus I surrender, make me Savior holy thine. Paul says, let him bless your whole body, soul, and spirit. Holy. That means total surrender, total yieldedness. Lord, you alone know the depth of my heart. Jeremiah 17.9 says, the human heart is utterly deceptive, beyond cure, who can know it? Verse 10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart. Okay, Lord, search me and try me and know my ways, says the psalmist. Squeeze me until what's inside of me comes out and take what you find. May thy Holy Spirit fill me. May I know thy power divine. So we're yielding ourselves to the Holy Spirit. 
That what is emptied out of us, the Holy Spirit fills. To be baptized in the Holy Spirit. To be anointed with the Holy Spirit. To be inundated with the Holy Spirit. It means that there's a house cleaning going on. And that whatever filled our lives prior, we say, done with it, Lord. Empty me and fill me up. Why don't we oftentimes get filled with the Spirit? Because we're not willing to empty the rooms. Lord, I give you access to me. Empty my places and fill me. And he says, you're my temple. And it is his power, not ours. All to Jesus I surrender. Lord, I give myself to thee. You know, there's something God can't do. <clears throat> Always said that everybody, well, I heard that God's God. He can do anything. No, he can't. He cannot make you love him. He can strip your will out of you, turn you into a robot, and make you obey. But Darn it, when he gives you back your will and gives you the ability to choose him, he can't make you love him. I had that experience with a bunch of potential girlfriends. Please love me. No, buzz off. You're annoying. I couldn't make it happen. And then when it did happen, it just blew me away. There's the odd person here that's resonating with that. Anyway. Fill me with thy love and power. Let thy blessing fall on me. You are worth every blessing of God in Christ. You know what God says? He says, in Christ, all the promises of God have been made yes to us. And it is his desire to bless you and to pour out his blessing on you. And then as you receive that blessing and you experience the amazement of that touch, you will become a blessing to others. When Christ spoke to his disciples, he told them, wait, wait for me. He didn't tell them what it would look like. He didn't tell them when. He said, wait for me. They were terrified. They didn't know what to do. They gathered in an upper room and they spent time together because, well, scared people gathered together with other scared people. And the day came. And as they were gathered together in the upper room, There was a sound of a mighty rushing wind and the Holy Spirit fell. And he distributed to them tongues as of fire and he empowered them to declare the gospel out in the world. He gave them gifts. But it wasn't what they did. It was the Spirit of God because he is pleased to do so. I want to lead you in a prayer, and the prayer is um, a surrender to Jesus and an invitation for him to fill you with his Holy Spirit. And if you're not at the front, you can pray it into pew, whatever you'd like. I'm going to ask you to pray it with me aloud as I frame up these words. But the words mean nothing in themselves. They're a bucket. You pour your heart into them. You hand them to God. God who sees the heart will reward you. Pray with me. Dear Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. You are the Son of God. You lived and died by your innocent life. On that cross, you paid for my sin. I now acknowledge that the blood that poured down that cross is more powerful than any sin I carry. 
And so I open my life to you. That you may wash me and cleanse me with this blood. And I receive my forgiveness. I want you to take a moment of silence and wherever you have stumbled, wherever you are broken, wherever your self-hatred lives, that's the door Jesus is knocking on. And you just open that door and uh, you let him come in. He will do the coming in. You don't even have to get him in. You're just saying yes to him, Lord, enter this place. Take a moment of quiet. Pray with me. Dear Jesus, I receive your spirit. I believe you rose from the dead and that you send your spirit upon me and that you have broken the powers of death and the devil for all eternity. I now renounce every work of the world, of the flesh, and of Satan himself. I command the enemy to where you send him. Jesus, I cast myself in your mercy. That what you begin in me today, you will continue forward, day by day, month by month, until I see you in heaven. I receive the outpouring of your Holy Spirit, even as your disciples did. Baptize me, fill me, inundate me. I am yours. In your name I praise you. God, as we give you this permission in our lives, and as you have prepared these hearts, um, Lord, in this place of brokenness, I just speak, Lord Jesus Christ, the release of your Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, power of God, you come and you fall. Baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire, in Jesus' name, come Holy Spirit. Baptize us with your presence, with your power, God, with your love, with your grace and your mercy. We speak this release, Lord, into each life you have prepared, God, and by the power of God, pierce with the sword of your spirit, fill with the power of your presence, that the spirit that raised Jesus Christ, you, Lord, from the dead, will now live in us and reign through us as the kingdom of God comes on this earth. This day, let it be done. And Jesus, these little ones, let your spirit touch them, fall upon them. In Jesus' name, let the blessing of God be theirs. For to such as these comes the kingdom of heaven. And now may the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you. And may the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. For such as this, for a day such as this, Christ came. And for such as you, this is the kingdom of heaven. Be blessed. I don't even know how to shut this down. And I don't know if you can shut this down, you know. Uh, if you want to go from here, you go. And if you want to talk, 
Talk. Socialize, socialize. Drag someone home for lunch, do it. Um, splash in the parking lot with them. You know, feel free. Um, if you want to stay and pray, if you want to rest in God's presence, do that too. Thank you for the morning.